Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, supercharger stations are getting bigger and bigger. Supercharger rates in California see a strategic decrease depending on when you pull up to the charger. A bit of new info on the Tesla Semi and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside an already snoozing Daisy the Boxer. It's episode 297 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for April 11th, 2021. Although I am recording one night early this week on Thursday night, the 8th. And the reason I've decided to do that is because I was very fortunate to get my second COVID vaccine today. And so I thought, well, you know what? I've heard from some friends, some people that have gotten it, that they can feel a little little feverish, a little headachy, you know, a little miserable potentially as a side effect for a short while the day after. So I thought, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm feeling good now. Uh, so far, in, after it's been uh, 11 hours since I got my shot. I might as well just get the podcast done. I've got plenty of material to go over for you. And if I happen to miss anything... Uh, I will that that pops up on Friday when I would normally record on Friday night. I'll just roll that into next week's podcast. But I have to say, I am just I am so grateful to all of the brilliant minds, the brilliant scientists, everybody that contributed to getting a vaccine done. Everybody at Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson and all the companies that are still working on vaccines, there are going to be more coming to market, apparently. I got the Pfizer, and I am just so grateful for it. My plan, I uh, am going to probably head to Arizona in a couple weeks after I've you know, waited through my 14-day window before I hit full efficacy because I am really eager to see and hug my parents again in Arizona. It has been quite a long, long time for that. They're both already fully vaccinated. So that's why I'm doing the show early. And let's get started. Uh, first up here, Elon Musk clearly feeling good about the record-setting quarter that Tesla just completed, which, of course, I told you about on last week's show. He tweeted this week, quote, Great work by Tesla team, special mention of Tesla China. And then later, he also tweeted, Thanks Tesla suppliers for providing us with critical parts with an exclamation mark thrown in for good measure. And I was thinking about this tweet. I'm not sure what specific critical parts he's referring to there. Obviously, I would probably have to work at Tesla to know what that means. But my guess, and it is just an edu- semi-educated guess anyway, would be chips, given that we've seen chip shortages affecting not just the car industry and Tesla specifically, but all kinds of industries, including my day job, the video game industry, the PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series X, they've definitely been affected by it as well. So I wonder if this uh, tweet is in specific reference to MCUs or full self-driving computers for the cars. Although then again, Elon did post that that particular one, the, the uh, one about parts suppliers, He posted that one randomly, just apropos of nothing, in the middle of the week, you know, April 
7th he posted, or April 8th maybe it was when he actually, it was one of those late night Elon tweets. And so, you know, the, the end of the quarter had already come and gone. So I wonder, just, you know, just kind of thinking out loud here, I wonder if it's possible that he posted that up after somebody came through on MCU 3s to maybe, or, or some component of the electronic component of the new Model S and Model X to help get those cars moving forward. I'm getting reports this week, not only from listeners of this podcast, but seeing reports from others in the Tesla community, that their delivery dates on their new S got pushed from the people that had them listed for March, pushing some of them, not all of them, pushing to July, which uh, is not only quite a delay, and then of course, I mean, the, the X presumably will come a bit after that, but yeah, I mean, March to, to July, not only uh, a substantial delay there, but if that holds, and if we really have virtually no S's and X's delivered until July, that means it would be a second consecutive quarter of no S's or X's produced or, again, maybe outside of a few inventory models, even delivered. Although, I would, I would have to add, thinking through this out loud, that after the record quarter that Tesla just had in Q1 without the S or the X as part of that record quarter, I would have to imagine that maybe Tesla is is not particularly afraid of another three months of just threes and Ys uh, putting up numbers. So we'll have to see what uh, what happens with that. Also, the specific shout out there that he gave to Tesla China would seemingly suggest to me that China contributed quite significantly to that big record-setting Q1. Uh, there's probably a good chance that that hypothesis of mine will either be confirmed or refuted in the earnings call, uh, which, by the way, as of this recording, again, this is one of those things that where you never know Tesla could drop it on Friday <laughs> before I would normally record, but after this week. But as of me recording this, they have not announced the earnings call date yet. Uh, if history holds, it'll probably be on Wednesday, April 28th, in which case I would have my usual quarterly earnings call recap and analysis for you on the uh, May 2nd episode, which actually I think that's episode 300, right? This is 296. Yeah, that'll be episode 300. Well, at least be something fun, something special to do for, for the big 300. Anyway, uh, one other quick note before I get started, although I suppose this is kind of news. I guess I am kind of getting started anyway. Fremont-built Model 3s now feature the revised interior door panels, which we originally saw roll out on the Shanghai-built Model 3s, where if you're not immediately picturing what I'm talking about, uh, hopefully this will help jog your memory, it's where the, the dashboard trim piece kind of extends, quote-unquote, around a bit further by going a bit uh, onto the those front door panels. So, and then it sort of tapers down, so it looks like you're kind of almost, uh, you've got like this arc in front of you, the whole dashboard, and then it, it sort of, you know, seemingly optically curves around you a little bit, regardless of whether you got, whether or not you got the the black or the white interior for the wood trim on the black interior or the ceramic white trim. Now, that piece, 
on this this new these new interior door piece panels. Uh, they're still the same. They are they're the they're the wood grain or the white ceramic, depending on if you choose black or white interior. But the larger centerpiece of the door panel is now black Alcantara for either color. So it's just that little sort of uh, triangular-ish shaped, uh, you know, extension dashboard extension piece that'll be either the the wood trim or the white. Now. Something else, as I was thinking about this before I recorded, something that it's, I'm going to say this is probably obvious to all of you, but it's one of those things that I hadn't really thought about and only finally just realized when I really stopped and stared at this, is that now the second row interior door panels are all black Alcantara, regardless of whether you choose black interior or white interior, which means that for certain, this I, I don't have to work at Tesla to say for certain, the Tesla can certainly build cars a bit more quickly slash efficiently because now every Model 3 gets the same rear door panels. It doesn't matter if you order a black interior or a white. And then just as a, a guess, but I don't know for sure, I would suspect though that this, this change might also save them some money because if instead of having to place different part orders, even if they're from the same supplier, two different part orders for the rear interior door panels, one for the black interior, one for the the white interior, they now just have one part, and that part order is twice as large as those those two separate part orders. So you you know, theoretically you'd have you know you'd be ordering. Uh, the, the supplier would only have to tool up and make one and Tesla would be ordering twice as many. So theoretically they, they might be able to get a, a bit of a break on the per unit cost of those. So one way or the other, it's definitely a win for Tesla. Now speaking personally, and I have to caveat this by saying that I have not yet seen this new interior revision in person yet. But from the photos and the design studio uh, that have made their way online, I have to say that uh, my initial reaction is I don't personally like this revision as much as what they had. I really, really liked how uh, not only did I like the black and white interior pieces just individually, just getting in a, you know, a friend of mine has has a black uh, interior Model 3 and I've got a white I really liked both of them just in a vacuum, but I also liked the fact that they were unique from each other because the the uh, the black interior cars and the white interior cars had unique door panels, both front and front and first row and second row. The black Alcantara that's now in all the cars, but before was just in the black uh, interior car. It really feels luxurious to the touch. Like it's it's a really nice premium feeling material. Material, pardon me. But in my car, I really like the the white vegan leather pieces that are in my uh, on my door panels that match the seats. So I would argue that this change that Tesla has made that now the white interior is less unique as a result of this change, and in fact you are getting less white, so less white material in your black and white interior 
because it is officially called the black and white interior, not just the white interior. But I mean, you know, it's I think that loss of uniqueness a little bit is a, is a kind of a shame, given that you do pay a thousand dollars more for the white interior. But you know, the the bottom line, I mean, this is one of those things where most buyers probably won't even notice or care. But it's just the eagle-eyed maniacs like me that pay attention to this stuff, and then, of course, have an opinion on it. But uh, so, yeah, if you if you either have just ordered your Model Three or are going to be doing so in the near future, you'll be getting the new revision, and uh, hopefully, you like it. And let's get real quick before moving on to the bulk of the news for this week. Let's get some bad news out of the way. Uh, speaking of the topic of. Fremont-built Model 3s, prices have increased again. $500 price increase across the board on the Model 3 for everything but the performance model, that has been increased by $1,000. So again, uh, so it's a net $500 increase of the performance relative to the long range. So again, I know I said this the last time the prices went up very recently, the uh, the buying case, like the, the case to be made to buy the Performance Model 3 uh, versus buying, if you're looking for performance, versus instead buying the long range and then just doing the, the uh, acceleration boost upgrade through your app, this, there is not as much of a case to be made for the actual performance version. Is it still quicker? Yes. Does it have still have things like the carbon fiber spoiler and the metal, uh, the, the the aluminum pedals and the twenty inch wheels that you know? Yes, have their pros and cons. I won't get into that for the seventeenth time. But but just generally speaking, if you're just talking about performance and the performance that you get for the money, you might be better off. I mean, again, it's it's heart versus brain. Uh, but it's, it's more of, uh, it's more of kind of leaning towards brain, I think, than heart. But yeah, the, uh, the long range model three with the acceleration boost that, that gets you a, a reasonably close to the performance specs is definitely looking a lot better financially these days versus just buying the performance model outright. But anyway, uh, on the model Y, if you're curious, no change to the performance price there, but the long-range Model Y also going up by $500. So more price increases. Now, not to get too tinfoil hat-y here, but perhaps this is Tesla acting early in the quarter to try and offset the revenue. If they, if they know that they're probably not going to be getting much, if any, revenue from the new SNX, if those cars are indeed pushed out to July, then uh, then maybe this is a move to try and offset some of that revenue that they're not going to see from, from SNX this quarter. Or it could just be as simple as Tesla thinks demand won't be affected at all, and they can just go ahead and make more money on each car. So that is the bottom line, though, is the prices have, for the most part, across the board on the 3 and the Y, gone up. You're only spared a price increase if you're buying a performance Model Y. All right, uh, moving on this week, there is a massive block of supercharger news this week, hence the title of this week's episode. First up, we have yet another update on the Santa Monica 
California Supercharger Saga. We've been on a roller coaster with this one, and the good news is that things are once again looking up. While we don't have any official announcements from either Tesla or the city of Santa Monica, Elon Musk did tweet this week, quote, Major new supercharger, excuse me, let me start that again. Major new supercharger station coming to Santa Monica soon, hoping to have a 50s diner and 100 best movie clips playing too. Thanks, Santa Monica City, end quote. Well, I've already been telling you about the, the back and forth on this over the past few episodes, so I don't need to give you the backstory here. But in short, it sounds like discussions between the city and Tesla have either reached an agreement or maybe this is just Elon slyly putting this out there optimistically to try and put more pressure on the city to get it done. Now, he did, though, specifically express gratitude to city leadership there. So hopefully that means it's either a done deal or very, very close to being done. Uh, And a reminder, though, I'll give you one little just mental reminder. If you don't recall this story from the last couple of episodes, this would be a 62 stall supercharger, or I guess at least that was the plan at the old location. I presume since it's going to be at a new site now, uh, the number of stalls are it will probably change, right? It probably still won't be 62. It's likely to go uh, up or down. I, I doubt it'll go down unless wherever the new site is, they can't actually fit 62. Uh, but I think it's more likely that it will be as much or more than the 62 that, that have been laid out for uh, version one of this plan. I mean, hopefully Elon's going to get to make his dream come true on this one. Over three years ago, January of 2018, Elon Musk tweeted, gonna put an old school drive-in, roller skates, and rock restaurant at one of the new Tesla supercharger locations in LA, end quote. So I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, if the if there will be uh, uh, servers on roller skates, <laughs> if, that, if that part of the puzzle will fall into place if and when this finally happens. And it looks like hopefully it will be a when, not an if. Speaking of superchargers, if the Santa Monica location happens uh, after all, and if it's 62 chargers or more, it might not be the biggest supercharger in North America for long, if at all by the time it opens. User Marco RP from the Tesla Motors Club forum, and this was posted in the California Supercharger Locations subforum, Marco wrote, quote, Last week, Tesla filed a permit for what will be the world's largest supercharger at Harris Ranch in Coalinga. And by the way, Marco did post screenshots of the records from the official local government website. So, this is not just a forum poster with, with you know, a hunch. This, this is legit. And uh, Marco says, according to my sources, at least 80 V3 superchargers will be installed in addition to the 18 existing stalls in a new paved parking lot in the trucker's rest area behind the Shell station and behind Tesla's battery swap area. Yes, the one and only Battery swap station, which of course is no longer in service, is no longer in use. It was located at Harris Ranch, which is uh, roughly, it's closer to LA than San Francisco, 
but it's it's uh, it's on the I guess the L.A. side. I think it would be fair to say on that. The as far as from the midpoint. But anyway, uh, Marco finishes by saying, in a similar setup to Fireball, which is the '56 stall V3 supercharger that I visited recently, says in a similar setup to Fireball, there will be a solar canopy over most or all of the stalls, as well as a battery storage system. So thank you, Marco, very much for that. And uh, yes, you heard that correctly. 8080 V3 chargers, in addition to the 18 existing superchargers, which are, by the way, V2s at the moment. Don't know if those are going to get upgraded as part of this or not. But that would indeed, simple math tells me, that would be a total of 98 superchargers, which would make it not only the biggest supercharger V3 or otherwise, by the way, because even 80 V3, even with the 18 V2s, 80 V3s still handily tops the Fireball station and the 56, and it tops the 72 uh, stalls in Shanghai, which are also not V3s. And by the way, what's interesting about this, 35 miles up Interstate 5 in Central California is where uh, is where this is located relative to f- the just opened Fireball. So it's it's uh, just south. It's not far at all. Um, and what's interesting, this this gets slightly more appealing because it sounds like it might actually top a hundred stalls. Check out this Instagram post, which again Marco found. Instagram post from Harris Ranch Restaurant from like their official Instagram account. It says, as you may already know, Harris Ranch Inn and Restaurant is a proud partner with Tesla Motors to host a Tesla supercharger station. 13 supercharger stalls are available on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We are excited to announce that Tesla has applied for the construction of the world's largest supercharger, which could consist of more than 100 stalls and will be located right here at Harris Ranch in Coalinga, California, end quote. Now, you may have picked up on the the strange bit there, is that Harris Ranch themselves said there are 13 superchargers there when Tesla says, and meaning Tesla, meaning I checked Tesla's supercharger website, there are 18. So maybe just a typo on Harris Ranch's part, although they did spell out the word 13 because it was grammatically correct to do so because it was the start of a sentence. So I'm inclined to think it wasn't a typo, so I'm not really sure what the what the confusion is there. I would expect that the Harris Ranch folks would know how many superchargers are on their premises. But anyway, between Harris Ranch, Fireball, and oh yeah, let's not forget about good old Kettleman City, along with its awesome Tesla Owners Lounge... Tesla is now fortifying the heck out of the California corridor for travel between Northern and Southern California. I mean, those three stations alone, three stations will total 194 stalls if the ni- if the 98 figure at Harris Ranch is accurate. And 156 of those 194 at those three stations would be V3s. Obviously, if it turns out that Harris Ranch is over 100 total, then that number, those numbers I just gave you, will go up 
a bit more. So just awesome, wild, fun stuff out here uh, in California in the supercharging department. Although, I mean, yes, California does proportionally have a lot of Teslas relative to the rest of the country. Many, there are many sold here, uh, but we are, we are certainly, I want to acknowledge for my non-California listeners that we are absolutely getting spoiled here compared to other places. Um, but that said, at the rate Tesla is growing, I expect it won't feel like we're being spoiled for too long. I mean, I, I'm just, the bottom line, I'm really, really happy to see Tesla pumping resources into expanding the supercharger network. It is, I mean, the supercharger network is the moat that they have constructed that other car companies simply cannot cross. They, they cannot uh, beat that moat. And it's, it's just vital that Tesla continues to stay. I mean, forgetting about other manufacturers and other, I mean, we want other EVs. We want, you know, we want, we don't want people to not buy electric vehicles, Tesla or otherwise, because of fears of not being able to plug them in if they take it on a road trip. So we need more chargers, period. Bottom line on that. Uh, and Tesla, at least, is doing their part for California. And they are clearly doing their best here to continue to try and stay ahead of demand. And this is this is a heck of a showing in to that effect of, uh, of, of trying to stay ahead of that, of that demand curve. So good stuff. I will absolutely look forward to visiting Harris ranch once it's pumped up to a hundred and imagine filling that up too, and just having a hundred, I mean, even nine, okay. 98 Teslas forget if we'll see if it goes over a hundred or not 98 Teslas. Imagine filling that, that place up. That would just be, First of all, the, the the power draw would be pretty interesting. If you're uh, for those of you who are electrical engineers, that would be something else. I mean, not everybody's going to be pulling 250 kilowatts at the same time unless you somehow coordinate 98 Teslas to all roll up with like 30% or less charge so that everybody plugs in and pulls 250 kilowatts at the same time. But uh, still, that that would just be a sight to see uh, if that's if if that ever gets filled up. Ninety eight stalls all filled up, man. That that would be uh, like a Tesla car show unto itself. All right, yet another supercharging note. Sorry if you're sick of this topic. Tesla is now offering cheaper rates at superchargers in off peak hours for California locations. A note appeared in the Tesla app inbox for many California owners. Oddly, I have not received it yet, although I often don't get pushed those. Let me, I'll just check mine real quick as I'm sharing this story, but um, it's definitely verified from other owners that it's popped up. But that note in their inbox reads, avoid the rush and save 50% on your charging fees before 10 a.m. and after 7 p.m. at all superchargers in California's major metro areas. For specific rates and eligible sites, tap the Supercharger map pin on your in-car touchscreen. Well, I suspect this is largely aimed at Southern California. I mean, not that's not to say that Superchargers here in the San Francisco Bay Area aren't busy. They certainly frequently are. But in my experience, 
there's usually a stall or two available or at worst, a very brief wait when you get there. Uh, and, and granted, while I realize this is, yeah, nothing in my inbox confirmed, nothing yet there, but anyway, others have gotten it. Uh, this is anecdotal, but I, I feel like I regularly see posts from Southern California owners out there showing just huge lines at LA area superchargers. I'm talking six, seven, eight, ten cars long. So it's clearly an issue down there. And I suppose this is kind of an easy way that Tesla can try to spread out that demand a little bit more away from those peak times. Now that said, I'm curious to see if this is going to be effective or not, because supercharging isn't that expensive to begin with. Cutting the price in half of something that's already pretty cheap, I mean, that might not motivate many people to change their behavior on this. But then again, I suppose every little bit helps while Tesla continues to increase supercharger capacity in certainly the Los Angeles area specifically, such as with the aforementioned Santa Monica project. All right, I have one more. If you'll bear with me, there is one more interesting supercharger story to pass along, but it's not about California this time. It involves how how Tesla is trying to speed up supercharger deployment, the actual installation and activation of new superchargers and new supercharging sites. This report comes from the Tesla Motors Reddit. The photo evidence of what I'm about to describe to you was posted first by the user. Uh, I'm not quite sure how this is pronounced. It's uh, it's E-B-G-E-R-D-A-Y. Not sure if that's E-B-G or... I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's the problem. You don't get pronunciation keys on Reddit. Uh, but the post that I'm going to read you here in a second is from user Cam the Ombre, who writes... This install is happening in Beaver, Utah. The, the te- he talked to a Tesla employee there. The Tesla employee said he's been doing supercharger installs for a while in California. This was the first prefabricated one with the stalls ready to go on a concrete slab. It looks a lot like the temp stations that sit on semis during busy times. I don't know if you've seen those, but if you have, you know exactly, you can picture it. It looks a lot, uh, uh, sorry. He said it helped in, it helped the install go much quicker and smoother. A semi arrived yesterday uh, and they're finishing up wiring tonight. This location will uh, also will have mega packs and the expansion is going to be 24 V3 stalls, but they are lighting up the first eight before the remaining 16. I'm not sure if uh, that's new or just due to spring break. According to the installer, this is a new process that Tesla will be using to speed up installs in the future. So Cam, thank you, and (laughs) E-B-G-E-R-D-A-Y, thank you very much as well. Ebgerday, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, but yes, it's, it is, since this is an audio podcast and you can't see what I'm talking about, it is still, it's exactly what you're picturing from the description there. It's basically, think of it like a supercharger Lego block with, with the stalls already installed on the concrete slab, and then that concrete slab just gets lifted up with a crane off of the back of a, you know, big truck and then dropped onto the pavement, sealed in, hooked up and turned on. Uh, and it's, and it's, I mean, it, 
it's funny when I think about it, it's like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I imagine that the supercharger team probably got the idea from looking at how the new gigafactories are being built in Berlin and Austin. A ton of prefab work that's that's speeding up construction in both of those locations. And now Tesla is applying that to supercharger rollouts, which I think it's very cool to see Tesla continuing to try and improve their processes and not just continue to do things the same way that they've been done just because that's the way they've been done. They're thinking, all right, well, how can we, how can we speed this up? How can we make this potentially even might even be cheaper to do it that way too, for all we know. So interesting stuff there. Uh, and that is, again, that's the Beaver, Utah supercharger site. If you happen to be a Utah listener and want to go out and check out that new, uh, V3 stall, that was the first one to be set up via this, you know, Lego block prefab installation. Finally this week, an interesting Tesla Semi update, maybe. (laughs) This story comes from globaltrends.us, who says, according to the latest reports, California logistics company MHX has booked 10 Class 8 semi-electric trucks from Tesla. Class 8 is a heavy-duty truck in the United States. Based on the report, The batch of electric trucks that MHX has ordered from Tesla will operate on the south coast of the Bay Area as part of their efforts to electrify the truck fleet in the South Bay Area Air Quality Management Zone. In addition to pre-ordering 10 semi-electric trucks, MHX will also purchase two megachargers to charge the electric trucks. Uh, Okay, so, all right. Ten more semi-truck orders, that's cool. I mean, at... If there are, you know, those are at least $200,000 a pop because remember you got the 300 mile range truck for 200,000 and the 500 mile for 250. That in and of itself, that's another two to two and a half million dollars of revenue for Tesla, just in a snap, no problem with when you order 10 semis. But that's not the most interesting part. That would be this, this next part that says, Quote, the source, however, was quoted as saying that Tesla is building a new electric truck production line in a factory near the the Nevada Gigafactory and plans to produce five electric trucks a week. So we've got to take that just with a little grain of salt for now because it's not nothing official, nothing confirmed. But if that source is correct... It sounds like a pilot manufacturing line for the semi is going in either at or near Giga Nevada, a.k.a. Gigafactory 1. And that makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, they've got tons of space up there, uh, and which which is aided, you know, that's that's good because the semi itself is physically enormous compared to the Model 3 uh, or any of the Tesla passenger cars, for that matter. Plus... Okay, Giga Texas, you could say, well, go down there and do it. They're going to be busy trying to spin up uh, and start building Model Y and Cybertruck, meaning the plate, the, the, the Texas's plate is already full here in the, in the early going before they've even opened. Giga Nevada is, of course, they are a battery factory. That's, that's a kind of a, a boon to the Tesla Semi because the Semi needs a whole lot of batteries. So you've got, you don't have to transport those batteries, those, those, you know, however many hundreds of kilowatt hours it's going to be per semi, you don't have to, you would not have to move them, transport them to uh, somewhere else if the, if the semi were being built somewhere else. 
So yes, logistically speaking, all of this makes a ton of sense. And if the five per day number is accurate, that's uh, that's what, I mean, there are five a week, sorry. That means that would be one semi per day done by the pilot line, which that's how, that's what pilot lines are for. They start slow and they go, okay, let's, we'll do one a day. And then uh, it'll be interesting to see how long it will take Tesla to ramp that up. And once again, I just, I cannot wait to start seeing these on the road, particularly, I might add, particularly with other companies' names on the side of them. That'll be cool to see, whether it's Pepsi, whether it's this MHX, whoever it is, it'll be neat to see Tesla semis, you know, that are that are in use, in operation by companies other than Tesla. That'll be cool stuff. All right, that is the end of a busy week of Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent phone calls queued up and ready to go right after this in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your calls, questions, comments, discussion topics, send them my way. I invite you to do so. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep that to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same question and just leave it as a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that you call up anytime you want, day or night, 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. John from New Orleans is first up. Go ahead, John. Hi, Ryan. This is John from New Orleans. It's been a while since I called in, but I've been listening the whole time. And I recently got reinvigorated because my wife and I just picked up our Tesla Model 3 long-range dual motor. And boy, are we excited. We were instantly transformed into believers here. And we're thinking about the future. Um, we know that there's that uh, smaller mini type car that will be designed in either China or Germany. Hopefully it comes out in the U.S. And looking back at the Tesla top secret master plan part, de, and I, I did note in there that Elon said that they actually did not see a need to design a smaller, cheaper car. But looks like they're doing it. Regardless, what do you see for the future in some sort of Tesla top secret master plan part trois. Um, all I could think of were some you know, crazy Voltron of Elon Musk companies, such as what they generate and supply all the energy in a, in a moon or a Mars base uh, via Tesla solar. Or you know, could they take their public transport further with uh, the robo taxis in a, a boring tunnel and be able to connect cities? And lastly, I was thinking with the Model S and the Model X having the new smart shift, could there be a situation where you don't even need a smart shift because your car knows what you're going to do because it's connected via a Neuralink? So those were some ideas that I had. Um, that all seems crazy. It all seems decades in the future. But remember that the original master plan is about 15 years old. So 
that's the sort of time scales that we're looking at. So what do you think, Ryan? I'm excited to hear your thoughts, and I appreciate your show every week. Thanks, and have a good one. John, congratulations on your new Model 3, and I have to say, I love this question. Hmm, what do I think would be in a secret master plan part three? Scale would be a huge part of it, I think. Like, X number of terawatt hours of battery production per year. Like, vehicle-wise, maybe an autonomous bus for dense city usage, I could see. Maybe something like that. I mean, I know there there was sort of something similar mentioned in part two. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe just evolving that one a little bit. Uh, solar panels and solar roof, I think, would definitely have to be included in a Secret Master Plan Part 3 as well. But to your point about getting really forward-looking and bringing the rest of the Muskiverse <laughs> into it, maybe uh, in, the, in the Part 3 of the Master Plan, you'd have delivering the first electric vehicle fleet to Mars, right? Like, that, that'd be the kind of cool thing to have in there, which, of course, that fleet would be Cybertruck Mars Editions. Of course. And while we're at it, um, maybe part of the master plan part three would be to get, say, up to half of the world's electric vehicle. Uh, pardon me. Half of the world's vehicle fleet transition to electric by, say, like 2050 and then maybe all of it by the end of the century. Something like that. I hope Elon does write another one someday. It would be really fun to see where his mind is at with that particular question, because it is a really good question. Thanks, John. Let me go next to Terry in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, Ryan. This is Terry from St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm curious, when you're using autopilot, what is your preferred method of alerting the car that you're still awake? Do you uh, touch the steering wheel? Do you touch the dial to increase the speed, increase the volume? What do you do um, to let the car know that you're still awake? Hi, Terry, and thank you for your call. Well, for me, I have found that I can ride comfortably and not get nagged by autopilot if I rest my hand at the bottom of the wheel with slight pressure in the opposite direction. By that, I mean if I have my right hand on the wheel, you know, I've got my right elbow on the, the center armrest, the center console armrest. It's on the bottom of the wheel, but also like on the right side of it, since of course there's that like bottom chunk of the wheel, like the spoke of the wheel in your way. So, you know, like you've got, got my hand on that sort of bottom right part of the wheel, like at the effectively, like think of it like the five o'clock position basically. Right. And, and so I'll apply a slight bit of pressure pushing left. So like, you know, with my elbow, I'm just sort of just kind of pretty natural pressure, just pushing in that opposite way a little bit. And then if it's, if I'm using my left hand with then of course my, my left elbow on the, the door armrest, it's just the opposite. So I'm, I'm got my left hand uh, just to the left of the wheel at effectively the seven o'clock position. And I'm pushing slightly, I'm just nudging slightly to the right, just a little pressure to the right. Like that has worked really well for me. Um, I know everybody kind of has their own, comfortable setup, but I hope maybe that helps you find something that's comfortable for you. Steven from Los Angeles is up next. Welcome, Steven. Hey, Ryan, it's Steven calling from Los Angeles. I uh, really appreciate all the hard work you put into this podcast. I've been a listener since episode 200 and really enjoy it. Uh, my question today, or rather a comment, is regarding the lack of handles on the new Cybertruck. 
I know last week you, uh, you had a discussion about it and some of the reasons they may do that. Uh, one more to add that I thought of would be heat. Um, I lived in Tempe, Arizona for three years, and I know that how hot some parts of the world can get, especially in the sun. I can only imagine, you know, depending on the material they used for that handle, it'd be insanely hot to try and open the door. Um, so that could be a reason maybe in their testing they found. Um, you know, you being a former DeLorean owner from Arizona, I figured you may have some really great insight on that as far as what materials they used for the DeLorean handle. And then one quick thing to add I thought was pretty cool. I saw a YouTube comment that somebody said they can't wait to use their Cybertruck to go kayaking and then have the truck meet them downriver, um, you know, have the, the truck drive, them, drive, them, drive itself downriver and then meet them there. So I thought that was just really cool. I've never thought about that before with all the future of self-driving and uh, very exciting times ahead. Appreciate all the hard work, Ryan, and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks. It is a pleasure to hear from you, Stephen. Thank you for your call. Uh, The hot door handle problem would not have been unique to the Cybertruck and its stainless steel handles. Although I suspect probably if they'd been like they were on the prototype, I mean, I don't know what they were on the prototype, but I imagine if they had gone into production that way, they would have probably been plastic on the inside rather than stainless steel all the way through. But anyway... Ask any Model S owner who live in who lives in a place like Phoenix, including, say, my cousin Pat. I've actually heard him talk about this. Those people will tell you that, yes, the chrome door handles on the Model S get very hot in the summertime if you live in a place like Arizona. Believe it or not, the DeLorean's handles were actually plastic because they were sort of integrated into the into the side molding trim on the uh, on basically the belt line of the car. So, uh, yeah, you were not grabbing hot stainless to, to open the DeLorean door, which was nice. So it, was, it wasn't too bad getting into it in the summer months. Now, a, a stainless steel car that has been sitting out in the Arizona summer that doesn't that can't precondition itself like the Cybertruck will be able to. That's a different story, especially when it only has toll booth windows. Thankfully, it did have a functioning, totally good air conditioning system. But anyway, uh, your point still stands. Tesla's materials folks certainly know about stainless steel's thermal properties. So it is entirely possible that temperature was a secondary, maybe tertiary concern, probably after cost and complexity, number one. Also, I love the idea of a fully autonomous, capable Cybertruck just driving itself downriver to come and meet you when you're at the end of your kayaking or rafting adventure. That future might could be closer than we think. I mean, that that is certainly a thing that is within striking distance. We're, we're getting close to it at this point. Thank you very much, Stephen. Robert from Texas is next. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas again with a question about the Tesla, the new Tesla Model X tires. Um, I'm definitely going to upgrade my Model X this year from a 2016 to the latest redesign. It's really amazing. Um, And I'm looking at the tires and two things. One is it says the bigger tires, the 22 inch wheels are only a 10 mile reduction in range. 
and I find that hard to believe. I would have thought it'd be more like a 20, 25, 30 mile reduction. Can you let me know your thoughts on that? And secondly, with the bigger tires, is the ride less smooth? Is it more bumpy? Is it a bit more rough? Um, I tend to like a, a quieter ride and just wondering on that. Um, if it is that way, I'll probably just go with the 20 inch tires. Thanks a lot on both. See you. Robert, while I can't definitively answer this for you, I can't imagine you're going to be swayed to the 22s after you consider the information that I'm about to give you. So the reason that I can't definitively answer this is because since the new X obviously isn't out yet, there are no real world tests of what the range, uh, the range hit really is on the 22s relative to the 20s. But I am completely with you. I can't possibly imagine that it's only going to be a 10-mile hit. I mean, that's only a 3% penalty, which just seems unlikely. I'm not at all suggesting that Tesla is lying or misleading or anything. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it does, after all, say estimate on the design studio. Now, that said, if that proves out to be true, if Tesla's figure is accurate there then to me, it makes the 22s much more attractive. They would still, to be clear, they would still not last as long and cost more to replace, but they would be literally much more attractive, in my opinion. Uh, For me, I have sort of a weird opinion with the the looks of the X. Like to me, the, the 20s versus the 22s on the X completely, like completely changed the car the look of it to me. Like, I think the X looks phenomenal with the 22s. With the 20s, to me, just the proportion doesn't look right anymore, and it just kind of looks like, I don't know, it just looks more boring to me. But with the 22s, it looks aggressive. It looks, I love the the look of the Model X with the 22s. Obviously, we have two new designs now, the new new 20s and new 22s, so we'll kind of see how each of those looks in real life once... uh, once they release, but, um, f- cause yeah, just to me, like I feel that I feel the same way about all the Teslas. I mean, I think there's a, the difference between the 19s and the 21s on the S and the 18s versus the 19s versus the 20s on the three and, and et cetera on the Y as well. But, but I, for me, it's just, it's most, I feel most strongly about that difference in wheel size as far as the appearance of the car on the model X. And again, that's just me. It's a totally subjective thing. Um, now to answer your question, I, I personally don't think there is a big ride quality difference, but I can only speak to the model three as far as 18s versus twenties. I've driven both. A friend of mine has a model three with 18s and I'm used to my car. I've been in his, I've driven his, I don't feel there's been pre pandemic. So it's been a while, but I don't think there's a big difference in ride quality, but Again, just full transparency here, I can't speak to the Model X in that department. I, I've actually never driven, I have driven the X, but I've only ever driven an X on the 20s. I've never driven an X on the 22s. So for whatever that's worth, I know I've been talking for a while here. I hope that helps in some way. If you are not in a hurry, you can certainly wait and see how the inevitable real-world range tests that the community will will put the X towards are going to shake out with those new wheels. Thank you for your call, Robert. Mark from near Vancouver is next, responding to caller Christian from West Virginia. Go ahead, Mark. 
Hi, Ryan. It's uh, Mark from near Vancouver again. Um, just responding to uh, the caller, Christian from uh, West Virginia. He asked about ambient lighting, and I think he nailed it for the question because uh, I also have a, a standard range uh, plus uh, 2019. And I actually um, went to uh, Abstract Ocean and bought some aftermarket um, extra lighting, assuming it would all work. And I put the uh, lights, LEDs, under the seats, and it's a really cool little install. And it didn't work, and I was puzzled. And then I actually kind of felt stupid Googling it and found out that the, the way it ties into the lighting, that I didn't even realize I didn't have footwell lights. I just didn't ever even thought about it. So the front footwell lights that the extra lighting I bought would tie into um, don't come on. But what's interesting is uh, they flash on, as in when your car is asleep and you open the door, the front footwell lights just flash on briefly. So there are there, uh, to answer your question, whether the lights, the hardware's there, I'd say definitely they are there. Um, um, and I, so I think that would be an excellent a la carte, and I would buy it. Um, so hopefully, Tesla, someone's listening, and uh, I am a cash-paying customer. I previously bought the uh, rear heated seats, and I love that. Um, so you can get more money from me if you want. Okay, thanks. Take care, Ryan. Cheers. Mark, thank you for that. Good to know that I was correct on that ambient lighting factoid in the standard range Model 3. Hopefully Tesla will offer that upgrade for you guys through the app at some point. I mean, whatever they charged for it, it'd be gravy for them. I mean, I don't know what would be fair on that. 250 bucks? Maybe 200? I would think probably not. I mean, 250's gotta be the ceiling on that, right? So it's one of those things where what, what feels acceptable and what what doesn't right we shall see but i hope you're right i hope that does make itself available as an upgrade in the app sooner rather than later i'm going to take one more call this week it is from clay in denver welcome clay hi this is clay in denver again hey um so one thing i've noticed and i just had a buddy of mine on facebook also uh, state about his windshield wipers is that whenever you use the fluid um, it does the perfect number of swipes, like two or three, perfectly clean windshield. Then it pauses a second, and then there's a last wipe that always streaks up the window. Um, I've been wondering about this for a while, and my buddy's Facebook post has uh, inspired me to contact you. Uh, it feels like this would be a simple update to get rid of that last wipe. Um, I'm wondering if everybody else is uh, having the same problem. And since my buddy did in a non-Tesla car as well, um, I'm thinking it seems to be industry-wide, and maybe this is something we can be better than everybody else and among the many other things. Thank you for your time. Bye. Clay, thank you for your call. I guess this just goes to show you that everybody's got a different opinion with this stuff, you know? I mean, I got to be honest with you. I like the third bonus wipe because... Uh, it, it clears out any excess fluid that starts running down the glass. I mean, I would imagine that's probably what it's intended to do. That's why it's there. But that said, you're absolutely right that in that Tesla absolutely could adjust that if they wanted to. In fact, they could offer a menu option in the car for to choose whether do you want two swipes when activating the windshield wiper spray or three. So 
You never know, maybe somebody at Tesla will consider that after hearing your call. Take care, Clay, and thanks so much to everybody that called in this week. Again, keep your calls coming. I love hearing from you. I gave you the call-in information at the top of this segment, the one of two easy ways. Just pick whichever one works best for you, and you may be featured on an upcoming episode. But stick with me, not quite done with this week's episode of Ride the Lightning. I've got your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, I'm not sure anybody still cares about these video game, movie, and TV recommendations that I've been doing at this part of the show, but I'll give you one uh, TV show sort of thing, but also it's kind of a plug, (laughs) but it's something I love, so I'll just mention it in case any of you out there happen to love this as well. I don't know if I have any fellow Misties out there, the old TV show Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, the short version is that they are on Kickstarter basically trying to raise enough money to just do the show themselves and put it out through their own website and app uh, rather than going through a network. So I backed that enthusiastically, threw a few bucks behind it because I would love to see some more episodes. The show has always just made me laugh. It's been a part of my life for a long time. One of my favorite TV shows ever, honestly. So if that is new information to you and you, like me, really love Mystery Science Theater 3000, you can look that up on kickstarter.com. All right, pro tip of the week time. David from Boulder, Colorado. Hi, Ryan. This is David from Boulder, Colorado. I wanted to give you what I think is a pro tip. I uh, have a 2020 Model 3, and I just got it last October, and I wanted to take it on a long trip. So this spring, about a month ago, I drove it from Boulder to Pismo Beach and stopped... um, a couple times and uh, after a particularly long day I stopped in Barstow I was going to get one last charge before I headed to the coast and I plugged into the supercharger there and went to get some supplies and uh, I came back fully charged and went to pull the the uh, charging cable out of the port, charging port and it wouldn't budge and so there's a bunch of Tesla owners around there always a friendly group I'm finding And I asked them for advice, and they're like, try this, try that. There's a manual release, try that, nothing. So I called Tesla. I told Tesla I was having this problem. They said, you know, try this, try that. Um, No luck. Uh, Went to a motel, stayed the night, started reading things online overnight at 2 in the morning. One guy said, well, I was pulling really hard, but I pulled even harder. And so I said, that can't be it. That can't be it. So the next morning I got up early, I went down to the car, pulled really hard, would not budge. And I'm like, well, the Tesla service guy is scheduled to come uh, this morning anyway, so if I break it, I break it. And I pulled it super hard and it popped out. And I did a little happy dance. So don't know if anybody else has had that uh, problem before, but uh, (laughs) it worked. Thank you, David. And I am very sorry to hear that that happened to you because that must have been incredibly stressful and also frustrating on a road trip like that. I have had a supercharging cable get stuck in my charge port once, and it was before I knew about the manual release that's on the other side of the charge port inside the trunk, like you mentioned. That, thankfully, at the time, did the trick for me. I did have to call service, the the roadside service, because I had no idea that it was there. But 
Anyway, uh, I have not heard of an elbow grease <laughs> yank taking care of the problem. I'm glad it worked. And I'm definitely going to file that one away in case I ever find myself in that situation again and the manual release doesn't work. So thank you, David. If anybody out there has a pro tip of the week, something along those lines, something uh, not obvious, something interesting about your car that you figured out or heard about uh, that you'd like to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, you can call in the same way that you call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline, either through recording it on your phone and emailing it to me or just dialing in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. And with that, let me just mention a few friends of the podcast. First of all, shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. They've got a lot of stuff over there, but I specifically wanted to call out that uh, pet cargo uh, sort of canopy, I guess a hammock would be the best way to put it. They've got the pet hammocks for the second row, if you've got a, you know, S, 3X, or Y, uh, and then I guess not for the X, Right. I guess, unless you, I guess it would work if you've got the five seat X, I suppose. And then they also have one for uh, S and X for the cargo area, like for the actual back hatchback area. They're they seem they're really premium, like really nice. I use one. I've had one in my car for a while for Daisy that I've I've got many many uses out of, and it keeps her paws off of my white seats, which <laughs> which I appreciate. So check that out for you fellow uh, pet owners that might want to grab that for your Tesla to uh, to help keep the car a little cleaner when you're giving your, your doggo a ride. Meanwhile, we've got abstractocean.com. Check it out. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed by what you find on abstractocean.com. From the tempered glass screen protectors to the center console wraps for, that's basically for everybody except the brand new owners that have the new center console. Uh, but yeah, you want to you wanna get that, that, gloss piano gloss scratch and fingerprint prone surface uh you want to do something about that i did with my car i put a i put a satin uh wrap over mine which and i'm so glad i did i i I love the look of it i love the feel of it there are no scratches there are no fingerprints on it so they've got some cool patterns and stuff you can check those center console wraps out so there's a million things the rear footwell lighting kit the Drop-in cup holder, stabilizer, all kinds of stuff. AbstractOcean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. And then how about Immaculate Reflections? Jeff doing excellent detailing work, whether you're looking for ceramic coating, which is basically a three- to five-year super wax You don't have to wax the car as long as it's ceramic coated. Uh, You could do paint correction to to correct any factory flaws or flaws that have, you know, found their way into the the paint job over the years. You could also do paint protection film, whether you just want to do the front of the car where where most of the rock chips and things are going to find you. Or you could do the whole car. You could whatever you want to do. And if uh, either way, just. Book in with Jeff, irdetailing.com is the website, and mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener, and there is a discount waiting for you, and it is one that uh, that you will like. So check that out if you are either in the San Francisco Bay Area or you're going to be here with your car. Have Jeff give your ca- car a spa day. So that would be that your car will appreciate it. Trust me. <laughs> My car does. 
Anyway, how about, uh, let's see here. Ah, everyamp.com slash RTL, home of the snap plate. The front license plate bracket that is for people like me that hate having to do a front license plate bracket. You can take it on and off securely, but it will stay on securely. But yes, if you want to take it off for cleaning, off for car shows, uh, off for just kind of day to day, but maybe you got to put it back on when you're parked at a parking meter or whether you're going to go through a, a, a toll road, bridge toll or something like that. Get yours for the S, 3, X, or Y at everyamp.com slash RTL. Let's see who else. PureTesla.com slash RTL. Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. The 128 gig kit is $49. That's what I'm using. Or there's a $69 kit for that's uh, 256 gigs. PureTesla.com slash RTL. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. or you know, moderate price shipping if they've got to ship it internationally to you, but they will find you. That's the point. If you wish to order from there, go for it. Jada, their ever-increasing line of products. They've got the Jada wireless charging pad, which is my all-time favorite Tesla aftermarket accessory. They've got the USB hub, which is also excellent. Uh, there's There is the the uh, SSD drive, the 256 gigabyte, gigabyte SSD drive that specifically is custom fit to their USB hub. And now the newest product, the Jada Tray, a tech-focused center console organizer with the first of its kind features. It can charge your uh, Apple AirPod headphones wirelessly, your Pixel Buds, all kinds of neat stuff. So you can find all of that through my referral link, if you wouldn't mind, please use this link, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Use the coupon code RTL, and I promise it will be worth your while because it is a substantial discount for you. And I think that just about brings us to the end, other than saying hi to the wonderful Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space tier Patreon backers. Speaking of my Patreon, that is the primary way you can support this podcast. It is purely voluntary. There is no, the show will always be free. It will always appear on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But if you've been listening for a while and you like the podcast, you find yourself, you're a regular listener, you get something out of it every week, maybe at some point, whether it's again this week, Next month, sometime soonish, you thought you think, you know what? I'm going to support Ryan. He does really good work. He, he clearly puts a lot of time and energy into it, which I do. Um, you can find all the information on the different support tiers, the, the levels at which you can back the show and support my efforts here on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The tiers, the support tiers, it starts at just five bucks a month. And even in return for that, I, I will in return give you uh, the early access to the show each week, which for this episode means you'd get to hear it first thing Friday morning when you wake up. So even earlier than usual. But anyway, I'd be humbled and grateful in all in all seriousness. I would be humbled and grateful if at some point you took a look at my Patreon page and considered a pledge. All righty. Uh, I'm on most of the major podcast services, so you can follow me on those if you are not already doing so on, on your preferred platform. I think most folks tend to use, there's a, at least 
the the highest metrics come from Apple Podcasts, but I'm also on Google Podcasts, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on Spotify, I'm on TuneIn. Now those latter two are in are also available indirectly in your Tesla natively, so you can find the show right in your car if you want. And then you can also find me on YouTube, but just as audio only. So it's just a, a logo of the show, and then it's it's just the audio. But if if that's easier for you to just pull up YouTube and listen at your desk, feel free. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, and you should find my channel, no problem, and you can subscribe to that. I mentioned my email address earlier, teslapodcast at gmail.com. There's my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan. Twitter's the same thing. Uh, Twitter is a lot of video game stuff. So if you don't care about that, maybe you just uh, feel like heading over to Instagram because my Instagram is 100% Tesla stuff. That's, uh, That's what I use that for. And that'll about do it. Let me again... Let me say hi to those Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier Patreon backers. Starting with my newest Plaid-level supporter, Matt Nixon. Matt, thank you so much for your support. And the rest of the Plaid crew, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Nolan Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, and uh, I already mentioned Matt Nixon, the new the new kid on the block. Welcome, Matt. And then the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski. Good to good to talk to Pat on the uh, Patrick on the the monthly Patreon Google Hangout that uh, that I just had last weekend. That was another good one, another good time. Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll. Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, and MT. And then the Roadster in Space folks, thank you, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, and Lawton from Chicago. Thanks to all of you so much for backing me on Patreon. It is sincerely appreciated. It matters more than ever. As I uh, as I do my best to care for Daisy and and make sure and she, in fact yeah so in fact next show assuming I record it on Friday night as usual and don't have to do it early for some reason next show I will have an update for you on how Daisy is doing she will have had another chest X-ray they'll have gotten a look at her lungs through that as well as her heart size and I don't know if they're doing they might be doing blood work again too we'll have to see but. Anyway, I'll have a much better idea of how Daisy is progressing that I can give you an update on for with uh, with next week's podcast. 
But that is enough from me, I think. These, the boxer puppy sure is passed out. She's, she's been sleeping the whole show. Not even awake through the beginning, pups. What are you doing over there? She is, she looks exceptionally, if you could see, this is one time where if there were a, if there were a daisy cam, like a, a live daisy cam, you would see like that dog looks real comfortable. Anyway, uh, I hope you are comfortable. I hope you are doing well. Uh, I wish you all safety. I wish you all good health. And let's see. I wish you happy electric motoring. That's the other thing, of course. So for Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 297. I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.